they're, they're journeying from Bethel, which is the place of God in the middle of nowhere. When God shows up in the middle of nowhere, they're, they're journeying from Bethel to a place of fruitfulness. And I just thought, man, that's pretty much what our sermon series has been about. We're going from the middle of nowhere. We're going from awkward to awesome or fruitful. Because really, that's what we all want. Whether, I mean, whether you're, if you're talking about a, your spiritual walk with God, you want it to be fruitful. If you have a relationship with God, you want it to be fruitful. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you have a, a marriage relationship, you want that to be fruitful. You want that to be a good, fruitful place. Uh, and, and if you're starting a business, you would really like for that to be fruitful. If you're playing in the playoffs, you would like for that to be fruitful, you know? It's like, it's like whatever situation or season you are in your life, I think fruitfulness is really the goal. That's kind of what we're, that's just what we're shooting for. That's what we're going for. We want to, we want to produce something. We want to make something worthwhile. We want to, we want to know that our lives have, have counted. And so we move oftentimes from Bethel to Ephrath, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think Jacob is following uh, uh, God's call in his life, and he's moving into a place of fruitfulness, but it's just interesting to me what happens on the road to Ephrath. It's like on the road to fruitfulness. If you, if you want to know what the journey to fruitfulness looks like, you just read these verses right here. This is what the journey to fruitfulness looks like. This is a, an allegory almost. It's a picture. It's a, it's a story for us of, of if you're going to move from awkward to awesome, this is what it's going to be like. In fact, uh, in, in modern times, they, they have the, the modern tomb of Rachel. They believe that it's the exact spot where Jacob had buried Rachel. And it, 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 it is actually right on the border of what is modern Bethlehem. It's kind of funny because that's what the scripture said, that they're journeying from Bethel. And when they were just a little distance away, like they were right on the border of fruitfulness, right on the edge of awesome, right on the border of fruitfulness. That's when this happens. You, you have to understand that, that there, is, there is always going to be a cost to fruitfulness in your life. You just you should know that straight up front. You should, you should just understand that 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 fruit that you don't you don't you don't dance your way into Ephrath. You don't whistle your way into fruitfulness. You don't people don't applaud you into fruitfulness. People don't pat you on the back into fruitfulness. People people don't encourage you. God doesn't comfort you into fruitfulness. The journey into fruitfulness may be great until you get to the border of Ephrath and right on the border is when serious sorrow and suffering just hit Jacob and Rachel and the whole family. Remember, Rachel's the only one that Jacob, the only woman that Jacob ever loved, except for his mom. And, and now his mom is also dead, and Jacob loses Rachel at the border of a frat, at the border of fruitfulness. And I think it's just such a picture for us. If you want to be fruitful, it's going to cost you something. You can be guaranteed that anybody who's fruitful, even, even in the business world, you see somebody who's successful, it has cost them something. You, and I, I, I don't know why, but I, I, I keep talking about this. I don't know if somebody just needs to hear this. It's like sometimes we, we, see, we see somebody's success from afar off and we say, man, that would be great to have that success. But you don't know what that success cost them. You don't know the price of that. Even, even in the business world, even in the natural world, you might see somebody and, it, and they, they, they might not even break a sweat, right? They, they handle the transitions great. They deal with every, the pressure wonderfully. But you don't know the cost, the private cost of their fruitfulness. Yeah. 
You, you, don't, you, don't, you don't, don't get into fruitfulness. You don't stumble into it. You don't trip into it. You don't accidentally arrive in a forever. Oh my goodness, I'm in a place of fruitfulness. There is always a cause at the border of fruitfulness. There's something that you are going to have to give up. There's something that's going to have to die in your life. That you probably what you love the very most, you will have to sacrifice as you enter into fruitfulness. Regardless, you, you do, like I was, I was sitting around a table of, of, of pastors last week, and uh, there's, there's, there's a group of us pastors. We all started churches around the same time, and, and um, they're, all, they're all killing it, and we're, we're the world's okayest church. So we're right there in the middle. So we're doing good. And, uh, you know, it's like, how are you doing? Okay, well, we're not like, oh, so we, we, we still stay in contact with each other. We still encourage one another, and we meet up about every four months or so. And so we, we're, we're, we're all at Black's Barbecue in Austin. Come on, somebody. That's where the anointing is. And, and we got some, so, and so we're, we're just eating meat and just talking about how things are going, you know. And one of the pastors, he's in San Antonio, and he's he's been doing great. He started two weeks before us, and then another guy started two weeks after us. And and, and anyway, we're all just kind of in the same place, and so we're just able to encourage each other and cry with each other and laugh with each other and 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 just talk. And and one of the pastors said, "Man, Harry, like like just like just in front of everybody, he said, "Man, Harry, like 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 your story is just so encouraging to me because you know he's he's been he's been keeping in contact with us since we got." flooded out in October and I got two and a half feet of water in our house and and, and, and many of you came and like cut out sheetrock and bleach stuff and, and then we've been trying to get money from the government which that takes a really long time and uh, so it's just been lots of hiccups and lots of issues and he said man your story really encourages us like I go home and tell my wife you know you know thank God we're not hairy and uh, you know it's like we, you know it's just encouraging I'm, oh good I'm glad I can no 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 he said he said he said just the way that you handle it the, just the faith that you still have and the determination that you still have you just keep going he's like that's an encouragement to me and to us and to our church and I tell our church about him blah 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 and I said man I really appreciate that I appreciate you know the compliment but I said the truth is like all of us around this table are paying a price you don't you don't start something for God and see fruitfulness and see people getting saved and see people getting healed and delivered without paying a price my, my price is just kind of public. It's a little more public than yours. But you can be guaranteed everybody around this table, they are suffering somewhere in their life. And so it's not really a big deal that I'm suffering because everybody who does anything for God is going to suffer. In fact, A.W. Tozer said he's doubtful whether God would use a man greatly until he's wounded him deeply. You cannot enter into fruitfulness without some scars. You aren't going to you aren't going to dance into it. You're not going to go into it singing and, and laughing and joking with your buddies. If you're going to enter into a place of fruitfulness, it's going to cost you something. Maybe nobody's ever told you that before, but but you know, newsflash, like we don't we, we don't talk about the cost. We don't we 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 don't we we don't we don't show our tears and our and our scars. We don't wear it on our sleeve, but it's there. It's there. It's going to cost you something. You want to do something great? Get ready to pay the price to enter into that place. Jacob gets right on the border of Ephrath, right in the border of fruitfulness, and that's where that's where. His, his beloved Rachel dies. And this, this is true in church. Uh, you know, I know many of you aren't planting a church, and that's, that's fine, whatever. But this is true in, in, in finances, too. This is true in business. 
You see, a successful businessman, there was, there was years of struggle. There was years of cost. You don't know the cost to their personal life. You don't know the cost to how early they have to get up and how late they have to stay up. You see, you see the, the, the fruit of it. You see the benefit of it. You're like, man, I'd love to have that. I'd love to be driving that. You don't know what that house costs them. You know the dollar amount, but you don't know the And it's true in marriage, too. You see, you see a, a happily married couple. If they've been happily married more than five minutes, <laughs> I'm just saying. If they've been happily married more than five minutes, it's cost them something. <laughs> I'm, we're coming up on our 10-year anniversary, and that's because my wife is a great forgiver of multiple things over and over and over again. You don't, you don't just sing your way to your 10th anniversary, you know? I mean, it's not all, you know, oh, I love you, you're so sweet. No, you're so, no, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you. I mean, that's great when you're dating, but when you live with somebody, it's going to, I'll preach right. It's going to cost you something. Like, you don't step into a fruitful marriage. You don't, you don't, you don't celebrate anniversaries and stuff without a price. We got, we got, we got a family. It's, they're not even here today. Oh, man. Jim and Cheryl, are, they, are, are you watching online, Jim and Cheryl? Jim and Cheryl, they're celebrating their 40th wedding anniversary in two weeks on Sunday. And we're thinking of doing a vow renewal right here, like, like just for everybody to celebrate. And 40 years, like, I wasn't even a twinkle in my father's eye 40 years ago. So 40 years is something to celebrate. Not because it's been full of just beautiful sunrises and sunsets and rainbows and unicorns. And not because Jim is Jesus and Cheryl is an angel. <laughs> Even though, especially because they're skipping church on Sunday. Come on, somebody. Let's, let's. <laughs> Man, the one Sunday you skip, your pastor gets you. Um, anyway, it, but no, I mean, Jim's pretty close to Jesus. And Cheryl's like, she's right. She's right up. She, her wings are about to sprout any day now. But the, 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 tr the truth is... <laughs> truth is they've had to forgive each other multiple times. They've had to deal with multiple arguments. They've had to deal with multiple uh, uh, miscommunications. You don't get to 40 years. I mean, you might look at that and say, oh yeah, that's what I want, but it's going to cost something. And we have a generation of people who want the fruitfulness, but they don't want to walk through the border of fruitfulness. They don't want to lose Rachel. I'm taking Rachel with me. I just want everything. I just, I, I just want the benefits. I want, I, I, you know, I want to get, I want to start off getting paid right here. I don't know anything. You're gonna to have to train me, but you just start paying me right here because I want fruitfulness before I ever even have to cross into the border. I don't have to prove myself to you. I don't have to tell you that I'm whatever. I don't have to create something that you want to buy. I just want you to buy me because I'm just wonderful and I'm amazing. And this. This is crazy talk. It's nuts. If you want to step into fruitfulness, it's going to cost you something. You can't just you can't you can't just whistle your way into it. It's every every marriage every if you see somebody who, who and they and, and they have really 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 great kids and you're like man I want my kids to act like that. Look, this, let me just tell you, it doesn't happen by accident. Children don't wake up one morning and just decide to be respectful of their elders. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, I've been, I've been waiting for it. I've been waiting. I'm just, you know, okay, it's a change. No, to be nice to their brothers and sisters. They don't wake up inside to be generous. They nobody just no child just wakes up and says, I think I'm just I'm just gonna be content with everything that I have and, and I'm just gonna go to school and study really hard and, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna sit on the bus and I'm, I'm just gonna compliment all the kids around me. I'm gonna tell them how wonderful that doesn't just happen. 
you see somebody and they have great kids, what you need to do is not just tell them that they're lucky. You need to walk alongside them and see how in the world, what price have they paid? Because sometimes we're getting ready to walk out the door and Madden will say something or Michael will say or one of the kids will say something. I'll say, what? <laughs> and and, and, and you, you make a choice. Are we going to be late for this meeting? Are we going to miss this, this gymnastics class, or are we going to deal with what's really important right here and right now is their character? <laughs> and you get so busy taking them to soccer and everything else that we don't deal with character. And it's the cost. If you want to step into fruitfulness, you're going to have to lose some things. You may have to cancel some things. You may have to not buy some things. You may have to, to, to spend your own time and, and instead of vegging out in front of a TV, actually engage your kids because this is going to take some work. It's true in all of life, all of uh, any any area of fruitfulness that you're wanting to step into. It looks it looks great from the outside. It looks great from Bethel, but as you get closer and closer and closer, you, you shouldn't you shouldn't you shouldn't you shouldn't buy a house sight unseen, right? You shouldn't just get online, find a house, and say, "Man, this is a great house. I'm, I'm going to purchase that." You should you should do a little walkthrough first and see just how why the price is so cheap, right? You figure out how in the world what's this going to cost me. Kind of septic system are we going to have to dig in over here what kind of air conditioning unit are we going to have to import you have to look at the cost because there's always a cost to step into to fruitfulness he he's right on the border and he pays the highest cost but the the key i think uh, after you've counted the cost the key of understanding that there is a cost after after all of that i love i love what the midwife tells rachel because rachel is paying the highest cost here and she's giving birth to her second son. And it's interesting to me that she dies in child labor because just a few chapters earlier, she was so jealous of her sister because she wasn't having any babies and her sister was having all these kids. And, and she grabbed a hold of Jacob. Scripture says that she grabbed a hold of Jacob and she says, give me kids or else I die. <laughs> and of course, Jacob was like, look, my, like everything's working on my end because Leah is just popping them out right and left, you know. <laughs> Something's up with you, lady. I don't know what's going on. But, you know, and so, but, but this is, the, those were her words. Give me kids or else I die. Of course, you're not going to die if you don't have kids. But sometimes what you want more than life will actually cost you your life. She has a child. His name is Joseph. And after she has him, she says, the Lord will give me another. She's not content with one. She says, the Lord will give me another. And this is what happens with her second child. She goes into hard labor. We don't know. The, the child got stuck somehow. Uh, Malta is just uh, multiple bleeding. She's, she's, she's dying. And the midwife says, do not fear. That, by the way, means, means that, that Rachel is very afraid at this point. And she's dealing with fear. Obviously, she's facing death. She doesn't even know if the baby's going to survive. She, she doesn't know if she's going to survive. And the midwife says, do not fear. And I think, I think fear is kind of what we would see as the opposite of faith. If you're going to step into fruitfulness, you have to, you have to develop some faith in what God is doing in your life. And you have to reject fear. And so the midwife says, do not fear. I think it's a great word of encouragement to all of us. Do not fear. But I, I, I find it so interesting what she says after that semicolon. She says, do not fear. You will have this son also. She doesn't say, do not fear. You're going to survive. <laughs> Don't be afraid you're going to make it out of this alive. Don't be afraid. Everything's going to be okay. And, uh, you know, those are not the things that she says. She doesn't even focus on Rachel's health and her issues because it's quite apparent to the midwife that Rachel is not going to make it through this. She's going to die. 
But she says, don't fear because you will have a son also. Fear is one of those things that, especially in, uh, in childbirth, will stop the birth. Uh, oftentimes, the psychological situation of the mom and the fear inside of her can, can cause her body almost unconsciously to slow the birth down and, and, and make it much more difficult. And so, so fear does stop fruitfulness. Fear stops what God's doing in your life. It stops, it stops you from moving forward. It'll stop you at the border of, of, of fruitfulness, and it'll, it'll make you stay there. Fear has a paralyzing effect. Such a paralyzing effect. You, you, you're looking at a couple different options in life, but you're afraid to make the wrong choice, and so you don't make any choice. And you just you just stay in there, and you, fear is paralyzing. And But faith is activating. Faith moves you from a place of awkwardness into a place of awesomeness. And so the midwife's encouragement is so applicable to us in that, man, if you're, if you're, if you're on the border of, of fruitfulness and you're seeing the cost and you're paying the cost in your life, then, then yes, I would encourage you, have faith in God. Do not fear. Have some faith in God. But, but, but the great question is, what, what activates faith? Well, focus is the issue here. The only difference between fear and faith is the direction of your focus. The midwife says, do not fear, but she doesn't focus on what's happening to Rachel at this moment. She focuses on what's being birthed through Rachel's pain. The truth is, you're going to have some pain. It's going to cost you something. And you can choose to focus on what you're losing, or you can choose to focus on what you're birthing. You can choose to focus on what's dying in your life, or you can choose to focus on what is being born through your pain. You can choose to focus on what, on what, on what is going away. You can choose to focus on, on everything that's wrong, or you can choose to put your faith and to put your focus in what God is producing through all of your pain. You can, you can always choose to focus on what's wrong. You can always choose to sit down and say, man, woe is me. This isn't working out for me. I really thought it would be different. I really thought all that kind of thing. But, but instead, the midwife says, don't focus on what you're losing, Rachel. Let's focus on what God is doing in this moment. He is using this pain that you're going through. And this pain that's eventually going to even kill you is actually producing brand new life that's going to live on after you. That's going to do more than you could do. Sometimes the old you has to die if you want to step into a place of fruitfulness. And it's often hard to lose those friends and to lose those habits and to lose those ways of thinking. But but, but you you cannot fear the loss that you are that you are that you're losing. You have to focus on the fruitfulness that's coming out of it. Fruitfulness can, can be birthed, and, and as one thing is dying, another thing is being born. The midwife says, focus on what is being born. Because faith always activates the power of God inside of you. That's why fear is paralyzing, because fear stops you on the road just a little ways away from fruitfulness, just a little ways away from Ephrath. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, I wanted to look at this, this passage, and this is often used uh, when it comes to salvation because it's very applicable. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, For by grace have you been saved. And that's absolutely true. It's the grace of God that saves us. And not only saves us, and salvation isn't just a prayer that you pray on Sunday morning. Salvation is, a, is also a process that you live through. Um, for by grace are you saved. Now, the grace is the undeserved, unearned power that God gives you. You can't earn it on your own. You can't work your way to heaven. You, 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 you can't do that. It's God's 
unmerited grace, but it's also power because Paul, when he was struggling with stuff, he was already saved. Uh, he was a Christian. He was a preacher. He was an apostle. And yet when, when Paul was dealing with things, he said that God had told him that his grace was sufficient for him. Because my power is made perfect in weakness. So grace is also power. It's this unearned power. Like, you know, it's not your own strength. It's not your own power. It's the power that God puts inside of you. And that is what saves us. The grace of God. That God gives you the power to walk out of bondage into light. He says, for by grace have you been saved. But, but it's not just grace. It happens through faith. So faith is the channel for God's grace in your life. And so many times we try to uh, we we try to live you know and follow God. We try to believe in God and we try to do the things that we ought to do. But we but we but we don't have the grace. And so we look around and say, God, you need to give me more grace. But the truth is that if you had if you could put your faith, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a tube. It's like an extension cord, right? That's like it's like the extension cord brings the power from the outlet into whatever device you need that power. And so the the extension cord is your faith. You have to plug your faith into God, and then the power of His grace starts pouring into your life. Uh, grace is, is the power. Grace is what is important, but, but faith is what brings that power to you. Faith is what connects that power and brings it to where you're at. Uh, I don't know what other illustrations to use. I mean, you have the extension cord. You have, uh, you know, um, OKC wanted to win, but they needed some refs to help them. So that's the refs of the grace that helps you. And the, the faith comes to you through that. Too soon, sorry. Um, you know, you know. I mean, grace. Grace is the main thing, but faith is what connects you to the main thing. It's almost like uh, it's it, 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 it's it's almost, it's almost like it was like this, this iPad right here, right? This is this is an amazing piece of of, of, of technology. Ten years ago, um, you know, when I was in college, we didn't have like stuff like this. We had to write things down on pieces of paper and things like that, and 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 then go to our little desktops and and look up Google. But but now, like you have an iPhone, like you 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 have that device, and it's got all these apps in it, and it, I mean, it connects with with everything. You can get directions to anywhere in Google, even if it's a fake place. You know. I'll type it in and it's kind of fun and uh, you can you can get directions for anywhere you can get recipes for stuff you can you can you can skype like you can visually talk i can talk to my my, my in-laws in new zealand you know and and like and like like look at them and talk to them i mean it's amazing the amount of power that's inside of that device but if you put it on airplane mode <laughs> it's like a glorified calculator you know it's it's a flashlight and a calculator it's like you just put it, you just turn off the signal. You do, it doesn't get any Wi-Fi or any wireless signal, or if you're on cricket, you're, you, you don't get any signal. <laughs> uh, you know, and suddenly it's a glorified calculator. All the apps, all the power, all the potential inside of it doesn't even get used because it's not connected to a signal. But so, 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 so grace is that power. Grace is all the apps inside of you. But, but, but faith is that signal that you connect with God. And through that signal, you download all the power. Like you don't even know the amount of power that's, is, that's wrapped up inside of you. You don't even know the apps that God's already installed in your system that he's ready to bless you with and bring out of you and empower you to overcome everything you're facing. But you have to get off airplane mode. You have to turn on the signal and receive receive the power that God has for you. And suddenly it turns on all this stuff that you didn't even know 
was inside of there. She says, don't fear, Rachel. Instead, focus on what God is doing. Align your faith with what God is doing in your life. You're losing stuff, absolutely, but you have to understand what God's doing. And so, and so, so Rachel calls her son Benoni. If we go back to that passage, uh, Rachel, she with her dying breath, as her soul was departing, she said, his name shall be called Ben-Oni. Now, Ben means son of, and Oni uh, is an interesting Hebrew word. It, it means two things at the same time. It means, number one, sorrow, which is applicable here, obviously. She's in great sorrow. This is her last dying breath, not, I love you, Jacob, not... You know, anything, not, not a message to any. With her last breath, she makes sure I want him to be named son of my sorrow is one possible interpretation. The other interpretation of the same word in Hebrew is strength. <laughs> I think that's interesting. That the same word is used for both sorrow and strength. Oftentimes we think of sorrow as weakness. But in, in the Hebrew mind, sorrow is the exact same word for strength. And so she names him son of my sorrow. And I, I think that's also instructive for us because there's really not a huge gap between your sorrow and your strength. Between your place of suffering and your place of power. Between your place of fear and your place of faith. Those two are so closely aligned. They're so, they're, so, they're so intimately connected that even in the Hebrew mind, you can't have two different words for those same things. You can't have a, a different word for sorrow and strength. It's the same thing. So the question is, well, what did she mean exactly? Well, it seems that she did, in fact, mean sorrow because when, when Jacob heard it, Jacob never renamed any of his other kids, but when he heard the name of Benoni, he said, no, we're going to call him Benjamin. And Benjamin means son of Ben. Jamin is my right hand. And I think what Jacob was doing is he was clarifying. Uh, she said, son of my sorrow. And Jacob said, no, let's, let's not even use that word because it, it, it's, it's not applicable here. Right hand is your strength. It's your best hand. It's your, it's your best you will often produce your best in the depth of your greatest sorrow. Jacob says, we're not going to name him after the hurt. We're going to name him after the strength that we got out of the hurt. And he buries Rachel. And he does something interesting on her grave. He builds a pillar on top of his dead wife's grave. Builds a pillar. A pillar uh, is something Jacob builds quite frequently, actually, as you read his story. I think about five times he builds different pillars. The pillar is, of course, a monument, but there's also there was always a spot on it uh, to be a type of an altar. And um, just previously, in, in, in Genesis 35, in the beginning verses, uh, Jacob built a pillar and he poured oil on it as a, as a, as a sacrifice to God, as worship. <coughs> I just find it interesting that when he buries... Rachel, and he's about to step into fruitfulness the way that he does it. Which, by the way, how you step into fruitfulness is more important than when you step into fruitfulness. He's not in a hurry. He stops. He says, okay, everybody, stop. We're, we're right on the border, but we're not going in until we deal with this. 
How you step into fruitfulness is more important than when you step into And this is true in all of life. How you step, to all my single friends, I don't know if you're ready for this, but how you step into marriage is more important than when you step. Anyway, you might be 30-something, but you might, if you're more, it's when you're, it's how you step into a relationship is more important than when you step into a relationship. And oftentimes God is working on our how and we're worried about our when. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, God, with this timeline here and I got this. No, 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 no. How you step, how you have kids is more important than when you have kids. How you raise kids is, and how you, how you plant a church is more important than when you plant a church. How you step into ministry is more important than when you step. You, 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 sometimes you're right on the edge of fruitfulness and you, you purposefully stop. Because we got to step into this thing right. The how we do it is so important. I was talking to Dennis the other uh, yesterday, actually, at the men's retreat about that. Uh, and and uh, he was asking me, like, the first thing that I did, like, when we were ready to start a church. So the first thing I did is, of course, talk to Ro and, and see if she's, she's also ready. Uh, but after that, the first thing I did was talk to my authority, which is, which is Pastor uh, Robin in, in Promised Land. I was on staff there. And I just put it before him, and I said, man, do you think I'm ready? Because I, you know, I think I'm ready, but I'm pretty much ready for anything, you know. And <laughs> not necessarily ready, I just think I'm ready, you know what I'm saying? And so I, you know, so I wanted this, his perspective, because he was my authority, he, was, he, he, he knew me, he knew my finances, he knew my relationship with my wife and the kids, and he knew all of the, 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 the things. And so, you know, do you think, and so I just kind of sought authority, and that's, that's what I did, because, because I, I, I know God called me to plant a church, but maybe it's 10 years from now, maybe it's 20 years from now, I don't know. And so I'm going to ask, like him, like what, what I think, and I'm going to get his counsel, and, and, and those, that's the first thing I did, is I set up some authority, uh, Pastor James Wright and then Pastor Robin Steele to kind of be over me and, and help guide me in this process. Because how you do something is more important than when you do it. How you step into fruitfulness. And so he steps in with worship. He steps in having buried the old and built worship on top of it. Deciding not to take the pain from his past with him. We're not taking Benoni. Don't step into don't step into fruitfulness with past sorrow and past pain. Instead, we're taking our right hand, we're taking our strength, we're taking what we've learned from that, we're taking what we gained from that. That's how he stepped into it. And I just find it interesting because about 1,500 years after this event, there was another couple riding into Ephrath uh, who were also pregnant. And her name was Mary and his name was Joseph. And they would have seen this monument. They would have seen this erection to the tomb of, of Rachel. And I wonder if, if Mary kind of remembered, remembered how you have to leave your sorrow at the door of fruitfulness. And, and, and as she entered into what was then called Bethlehem, that night angels appeared to uh, some shepherds and they said, and they said, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill to men. For unto you this, this day in the city of David, that is Bethlehem, is born to you. A savior who is Christ the Lord. And he is the son at the right hand of the father. And that son actually didn't kill his mother. That son died for his mother. That son died not just for his mother, but for you and for me in order that we could enter into a place of fruitfulness. 
It's not just something you do out of your own strength and out of your own goodness. It's something that Jesus Christ opened up for every single one of us in that place of the frath. If you bow your heads and close your eyes with me, I'd just like to pray over you. I think people are in all sorts of different areas in their life today, and they're, they're dealing with, with, with many different things. For some of you, it's just simply you're, you're, you're needing to accept and receive and choose to follow Jesus. Jesus is offering to you redemption and forgiveness and fruitfulness, and you just need to start down that journey. You need to start down that road. And so if that's you today, I'd like you to raise your hand and just say, that's me, and I'm going to make the decision today to start.